Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and really excited to be joined by another Jake in Jake Kelfer, um, fellow uh, California guy, and uh, we'll kind of get into his journey and story. Uh, you know, look, when you connect with people and, you know, relationships uh, you form over time, uh, people reach out, they connect you with another person, and got uh, was fortunate enough to be connected uh, to Jake and, and uh, really learn about his, you know, path, his desires, his passions, and uh, wanted to share those with, with our listeners today because I think it's a fascinating story. You know, um, I'll, I'll let Jake dive into to kind of how he got started, but, you know, going, you know, and doing your own thing in your 20s, like you take risks, right? You go and you go and do it and you figure it out. Uh, we'll dive a little bit into that. So Jake, welcome to the podcast. Man, I'm, I'm pumped to be here. A little Jake and Jake action. Come on, baby. Let's go. You know, I, 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 I got to keep the, keep the podcast title in, but then like, I mean, this, this could be the Jake and Jake show. I mean, that's kind of like the Mike and Mike, right? I mean, everyone's got their own version. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, hey, we'll bring it too. The listeners are in for a treat, man. Hey, you know, look, you went to USC. Um, I went to Redlands. So, you know, not too far down the road from each other, uh, you know, si- similar time frame, similar context. And, and you started your career off after, you know, going to USC for sports management by working for the Lakers. And, you know, you write up that story. Anyone who gets a job with the Lakers out of, out of uh, school is like, okay, dream come true. Well, then what happens? So, dude, let me, let me tell you a little bit, though, about this Lakers gig because I need, it, I need everyone to understand why this was so important and how it put, put the rest of my life up to this point in action, okay, in motion. So I grew up in L.A., L.A. guy, USC, diehard Laker fan. Like, we have a room in the house that I grew up in with my parents. It's called the Lakers room, okay? It's painted purple and gold on the walls. We have every, like, Sports Illustrated cover with a Laker on it since, like, the – since Sports Illustrated started. Like, we go to town. This room is awesome. Watch more games of the Lakers playing growing up than probably spending time with anybody else. So to be working for the Lakers was like a full circle experience for me of having the Lakers room, wanting to be an NBA player, not making the NBA, going to college, then working for the Lakers and, like, being able to be on the court. And so while I was there, I had the chance. I was there Kobe's last season. So I really had a chance to understand and see like the the ending of the Kobe Bryant era, as well as have some pivotal moments for me and develop some friendships that really escalated where I was going to end up in my journey. And so um, I think it's really important. I wanted to give that backstory of just like letting everyone know like why that was such a big deal. And and we're going to talk a lot about how to do things differently, how to, how to take some chances. So for me to work for that team was like in a way, life coming full circle at 22 years old, right after college, right? I mean, that's it, right? You're done. You kind of, you just, you work for the, for the Lakers for, you know, 40 years, you retire, like that's it, right? History writes itself. But look, at the, at the end of the day, we all know that's not how it works. And if you want to try and move throughout the industry in a cookie cutter way, it's not that easy, right? It's you, you, you might spend some time, you know, look, uh, Fred and, and Pat, who are co-hosts of this podcast, spent 30 plus years in their organization and have fantastic journeys to uh, and, and careers to look, look back on. But it doesn't necessarily happen that, that way anymore. And, and I want you to kind of express how you went about, you founded the Basketball Combine and, and just some of the things that you went about doing and 
you mentioned different, right? We're in this time period where there's a lot going on and people are just going to have to figure out what to do differently uh, than they did before. And it's not because it's good or bad. It's just because of what has to be done in order to react to change. So, so I'm at the Lakers and after the Lakers happened, okay, so I left the team after one season and launched my first book. And after that, I started speaking and I, and I wanted to find a way back into sports. Now, my dream was to be a sports agent. If I couldn't play, on the, play in the NBA, I was going to represent the NBA guys. Like, right, that was the dream. That was what I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, I need to navigate my way back in. I figured having a best-selling book, being able to speak would give me more credibility as like a testament to my sales opportunities to get, you know, showing people like I belong in this space. And then the NBA announced that they were going to have two-way contracts. And for anyone that's listening, if you're not familiar with, with what a two-way contract is, they basically said there are two new roster spots for every NBA team. And not just that, but the opportunity of income for players went from 29000 in the G League to about 275000 in that first year as a two-way contract player. And you get to stay in America and have a chance to get called up to the, to the big leagues, the show, right? Which is the dream of every person who ever plays the game of basketball. And so I was like, well, what, what is there to do? And again, I wanted to be an agent. This is where you talk about taking risks and doing something differently. And of course, at the time, I'm thinking like, what can I do to just get in touch with all the right agents? Well, I was like, well, what if there was an event, a secondary combine, because the NBA has their amazing combine that had the first 60 to 70 guys. What if I could do like a secondary combine for the guys like right under the, the top prospects? And so we put on this huge event and I was like, look, I want to be an agent to help the players achieve their dream of playing pro ball to change their life. Well, what if I did that and then had agents, teams, executives, media all come to this event and be a part of it? Well, I can expand my network. I can differentiate myself from every other person. And at 24, I'd be one of the few people in the world that has relationships with multiple agencies, national media attention, and every, every team uh, front office. So I did it. And we put on this event. And I mean, I'll tell you, there were times where I was like, this is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And there were other times where I'm like, let's go. Like I'm just riding high on this journey. But we get to the day of and we fill up our spots. Then someone canceled and we get someone else. I mean, it was a whirlwind. But we ended up being able to put on this event in, in our first year. We had 23 guys. Nine of them went on to sign uh, two-way contracts. All 23 of them signed pro deals. One of them became the G League Rookie of the Year that year. And it was an incredible opportunity for me to showcase what I'm capable of doing, but also living out the mission, which was fulfilling my purpose of helping people reach their highest level, which in this case was helping the players reach their highest level of playing the game of basketball. And so that's kind of how I try to figure out how do I be different in a time where every person wants to be an agent or every person wants to start their own thing. And I had to put in the work, go through the ups and downs. And now we've helped over 70 guys sign their first deal. Uh, that's fantastic. And, you know, you make it sound so simple, which uh, we all know it's not right. And, and there's a lot of nuances to doing your own thing and, and starting something from scratch and, and not just going, yeah, I got this idea. Like, let's just do it. What does it take? I mean, there's so many things that go into it. Not only, I mean, talk about funding, that's the first part. Uh, but secondly, people, you know, time, resources, connections. I mean, you go down the list, you can get overwhelmed pretty quickly. But you mentioned those ups and downs. I mean, there had to have been kind of that breaking point where you got over the, over the hump. Uh, there had to have been that aha moment, right? Talk a little bit about, about that. And also, you know, you wrote a book early on, just as I did that experience alone teaches you patience, process, 
and persistency, which had to have come into play uh, with what you created. Yeah, and look, when you start things, whether it's a business, an event, uh, turning an idea into reality, people think you need to have a ton of money, you need to have this unbelievable network, you need to have this huge following, you need to have all these things. Those are just excuses that are preventing, that you're telling yourself that are preventing you from actually doing the work, okay? And like when I started the combine, I didn't have a huge network of people, but what I had was a relentless pursuit to create value, a relentless pursuit to achieve what I wanted to achieve in my life and create success for myself. Because I really believe that we all have a unique definition of success. And once you realize that and pursue that, the, the, the journey along the way becomes a lot more fun because you're going after something that you want, not what society expects you to want. And that's a huge, huge factor when trying to create something. And so when we're creating the combine, you know, I had to figure out, because we had this idea and then it was like five months, it was going to be game time. Like that's how long we had to put it all together, create it and do everything. And it was like, holy crap, like this is going to be tough. And again, I, didn't, I couldn't call up every GM or exec in the league and say, hey, I got this new event, send, send some of your people. I, could, I couldn't do that. I was 24 years old. So I had to find ways to connect dots, find ways to get on the phone, find creative ways to build a world-class network and do it very fast. And so what I did was I literally found every single NBA agent that exists in the directory. And I started calling one by one, one by one. And I organized them based off who their players were that we were interested in. And I just went one by one. And the amount of agents that picked up the phone and just shoved it on my face is unbelievable, dude. And like, I'm laughing right now as I'm telling you this, because like in those moments, I was like, damn, this sucks. But like now I'm like, that was the greatest thing that happened because I'm like, watch me, baby, watch me prove you wrong. Right. And so these agents are, are hanging up. We're getting some nibbles, some bites. The NBA execs, they're not responding because they're like, who is this guy and what the heck kind of event is he doing? So once I started getting some interest, I started looking into my network. Who, who knew who? How could I connect from this media member to this agent? Because everybody is connected in some way. And in sports, more than anything, the, the networks are close, right? And so what I tried to start doing was like leveraging once agents committed, who were their team contacts? and got them to buy in and start reaching out to their contacts and then making that intro so I could handle it from there. Or talking to media, that media members that wanted to get, to better, get better in with certain agents who maybe right now had players that would be good for my event, but that also had players that they wanted, you know, who were lottery picks for their media outlets. And so I was able to really connect the dots, do the research, and that's how we really, really built it. And, and it really came down to like, are, was I willing to put in the work for something that I believed in was bigger than myself? And whenever someone is trying to start something or think about it, you have to just embrace the process as, as Joel Embiid says, you have to trust the process and you've got to continue to take action even when you don't want to, or even when you're facing rejection left and right. So you have a little bit of success, you taste it, right? You understand what's in front of you, how you can maybe expand, how, how you can maybe make something better. Um, but then what do you go and do with it is uh, what separates you from the rest, right? It's, it's one thing to just have a, a one-time hit, right, as a, as a song artist. Or, but what do you do after that, uh, I think, is, is a huge, you know, again, related to the sports industry. You get that first job. Great. What do you do from there, right? How do, right. You, how do you continue to progress? So what was that for you? Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit about your journey moving across different cities and, and uh, just kind of doing whatever was needed. So, so look, I kind of frame life as a game. All right. And I want to win the championship of my life. 
I want to be the MVP of my own life. And when you have the, you get that job, that's a huge W, right? That's like a five game winning streak almost, right? Like you're putting yourself into great position, but you have a full season ahead of you and you've got to produce, continue to produce at a high level. And this is where I had to really dig deep and say, well, what's the next step? So in year one, we put on the event to the best of our ability with the best logistics that I could. Now, here's the thing. I had great mentors and great experiences that helped me kind of have an idea of what to do. I'd worked NBA Summer League. I'd worked Adidas Nations. I'd worked with some of the best events people in the, in the sports space. So I knew kind of what needed to get done from an event level. But then it was like, okay, we executed. It worked. The credibility's there. Now let's grow it. All that, all that happened from year one to year two is now we started to bring in other partners. We started to let speak it for themselves. We had Langelo Ball in attendance, which brought huge notoriety and publicity to the event. We started to do all of these things that would help us in the growth. But as an individual, I really focused on trying to say, well, look, if I'm going to grow this thing, I need to grow myself. I need to invest in surrounding myself with better people, hiring better talent, and getting better mentorships and coaches in my life if I want to continue to level up my game and continue to win. And so that's how we really were able to take it. Our director of scouting came on board, John Chepkevich, one of the best scouting guys I've ever met. And he just took our whole thing to the next level and we produced even more talent. One of the guys that came the following year just finished second in rookie of the year rankings for the NBA after John above Zion Williamson. I mean, that's incredible. That's Kendrick Nunn of the heat. So like there's all these incredible things that happen, but once you have that big win, you're not done. Just like a player, if they have a rookie of the year campaign, they want to be a superstar. They want to be an MVP. They want to win a championship. You can't get complacent once you have something good. You got to become, you got to become enjoying that moment, but focused on greatness. And that's where you separate um, the, the champions from the seasoned leaders. You're, you're, a seasoned, you're a seasoned vet already. I mean, you, you can just tell, right? You, you get it. You understand it. There's, you know, and sometimes people say you got to have that feel right? You got the feel. You have the feel of what it takes to get stuff done. Um, but, you know, I want to go back to something that you mentioned at the beginning, which was taking risks and, and just, you know, going for it, right? Doing something different. Um, and a lot of that starts with just the confidence in yourself. And you were just alluding to that. You were talking about how, you know, you, you have to, you know, build yourself, right? Uh, make yourself better so that you are prepared for opportunities when they, when they arise. Um, how did you go about doing that and, and having the confidence and then taking those risks and, and what, what kind of risks did you take from there on out? Man, a lot of, a lot of it, a lot of risks. Um, because look, when I was releasing my first book, I had a lot of the doubts that everyone has. What if nobody reads this? Who am I to write this book? Is someone going to actually pay me money to read my book? Hey, mom, I mean? Mom's going to read it. Mom's going to read mom, it. Mom's going to read it, but I needed more than just my mom at that point. I love my mom more than anybody, but like I, you, you, we all have the same types of fears, right? When I started the combine, what if it went terribly well, right? I mean, excuse me, what if it went terribly bad, right? Like nobody showed up or didn't work. Like would my entire credibility be, be done from the minute I started my career? Like, where would it be? And you have all these doubts, but when you have these doubts and I continuously work on this today to continue to build confidence is you have to put yourself in a place of abundance. You have to put yourself in a place where you become the person you're trying to become. You take on that identity, you own your shit, you become that person. And, you, and I, I have my own mantra. 
I get fired up every morning and I just hype myself up. And when you start to do that and you start to appreciate gratitude, you really start to build that confidence within yourself and realize that if the risk doesn't work out, it's okay. Cause at least you try because I've never met somebody. I've never met someone who tried and then looked back and said, damn, I wish I just didn't try that. But I know a ton of people that say, I wish I would have tried that. And that regret is exponentially worse than that potential failure. And here's the beautiful thing. Sometimes we're going to take risks and we're going to flop on our face, but that flop on our face is going to lead us to where we were supposed to be in the first place. We just didn't know it at the time or couldn't see it in front of us. And it takes those times, those experiences, those risks to make the right things happen and the right career and the right life and the right journey to unfold in front of us. And so for me, I always will continue to take risks because I'm always going to try to challenge a status quo and I'm not going to succeed every single time but I'm always gonna learn and I'm always gonna find a way to be better and to grow and to win eventually. And that's what makes life so fun is experiencing the ups and the downs, the wins and the losses. But as we know, you only need 60 out of 82 wins in the basketball season to make the playoffs to be a top seed, right? Just like in life, you don't need to win every single day, but you need to compete every single day. And when you do that, well, then things start to roll. And then those risks that were, were mistakes turn into wins later on or when you need them the most in the playoffs. You know, growing up being a college baseball player, I, my average wasn't 300, definitely wasn't 300. But, uh, you know, being on the mound, you know, that was where you had to, I mean, look, you can't, you can't go three out of 10 on the mound. You're, you're out of there pretty quickly, right? You've got to go seven, eight, nine, ten 10 batters you know, uh, out of 10 in terms of, of getting back to the dugout so your team can hit. And to your point, you don't need all 10. It's okay if one or two get on, but you got to know how to react and, and, and keep pushing forward, right? And so, um, you know, then I compare it to the hitting side. You can try and hit a home run every time, but it's almost better to go for the singles and the doubles, right? That will kind of build up, build up, build up. And then before you know it, you're at that 300 average as opposed to, you know, trying to hit a home run every time. When you think about uh, taking those risks and, you know, California guy, uh, you said, okay, how can I go learn from others, right? How can I go learn about other cultures? How can I go help other people learn, right? What was kind of that next, next step, next thing for you uh, in your journey that you really learned a ton from? So I'd lived in California my whole life up to this point went to USC, moved back home, more lived in Santa Monica. I'd been doing all these things, but I'd always lived in Southern California. And we had just come off of this awesome first year of the combine. I had my book, I was speaking all over the country. And what I decided to do was actually give up my apartment and said, you know what, I'm gonna go all in here and I'm gonna live in different cities across America. And I'm gonna call it Elevate America the Tour. And I'm going to live in different cities and I'm going to build my speaking business, my book business and my combine. I'm going to get in front of every single college program, talk to them, attend practices, get to know them and see how that would navigate. So maybe they would funnel players to us down the road. And also I was like, I can finally meet all of the people that I've always connected with online in person and take that relationship to the next level. So I packed up my bags and I moved to, I think I lived in like nine cities uh, for like three or four weeks at a time across America and just traveling and ping-ponging back and forth. And it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had, not just for growing the business, 
But in terms of learning how people from different parts of the country react to different things, seeing how people view other people from different parts of the country. And I'm a relationship guy. So being able to really connect and see and learn and grow from everybody really gave me an eye-opening experience that like I'll remember forever. And, you know, I lived in Michigan, did a road trip through Ohio. I lived in Nashville, did a road trip through Alabama, Mississippi. I did, I lived in New York and went to Boston, Rhode Island, Jersey, uh, Philly, DC, um, lived in Florida, lived Vegas, like kind of lived all over the place, Virginia for a couple weeks, actually, which was wild, like just all over the place. And so for me, it was like, uh, just an incredible experience to be able to say like, look, let's go big or let's go home. And going big in that point has had so many more benefits than just what I aimed to initially achieve from setting out on that journey. 100%. As, as someone who's traveled to 39 of 50 states and have done quite a few road trips, I will say I'm, I'm eager and ambitious to understand what your experience was like because living somewhere for even a couple of weeks is much different than just traveling through and experiencing it. So again, I'm sure you kind of experienced some different perspectives that, you know, maybe I don't have by driving 35 hours across the country playing seven rounds of golf, right? I mean, you, you just kind of, everyone's got a different experience no matter where they go. Um, real quick, what was your favorite spot and why? Okay, easy, easy question, but I want to I talk about what you're talking about here. And that was why I lived in these cities for longer than a vacation time. Because there's a difference between traveling for a weekend versus becoming part of the city, right? And that was the whole point of this trip was I didn't want to just go to Nashville and be there for a weekend and do Broadway Street and party my butt off. I wanted to do Nashville and see what, meet people, get to build some actual relationships versus just one, one-time experiences. Um, and speaking of Nashville, that was my favorite city that I visited on my trip. I lived there for about four weeks. I met some incredible friends. I'm, I'm still close with one of my guys that I met when we were in Nashville. Um, and so that, was, that place is unbelievable. I mean, it's truly remarkable. The food there's great. The dancing is great. The bar is great. Country music is now apparently great to me. Like, you, it's all great, man. So like, I'm super high on, on Nashville and, uh, and the lifestyle that, that I got to experience. You know, when, when you're driving uh, kind of throughout the country, there's points in times where you go, man, where am I? Like, I really don't know where I am because it looks the same, right? Or uh, are we still in the same state? You know, maybe I missed that state sign a while back. Oh, no, you just, you just keep driving and you haven't yeah. gotten there yet. Um, you know, when, when you think about the different cultures uh, that you experienced, different places you got to live um, through those experiences, what did that ultimately bring back for you now that you're back in California? Um, and what do you aspire to help others learn from that? So what I found was that traveling brings people together. Traveling is one of the commonalities that when you share it with someone else, your bond becomes incredibly deep, incredibly quickly. So we could talk about certain places. And even before this, we were talking about some of the places. And, you know, you grew up in Scottsdale. I've partied in Scottsdale. And like, you know, we, we could immediately connect on that level. Whenever you talk about traveling, it builds a, a deeper connection. But what I also really took away from that trip and living in all these places, and also as a speaker, I've traveled all over the country, is that everybody is going to have their own communication style. 
And it's important for you not to associate one person with one way of, of living. It's important to understand the full person and that we're all different. And different doesn't mean right or wrong. Different means different. And so I've really learned how to adjust and adapt and find commonalities with different people, especially as somebody who is very high energy, very like excited about a lot of things. But how do I connect with people that are maybe slower paced? How about people that are living in, in Michigan versus in New York? The way of communication, the way of hustling and bustling down the streets or getting in the public transportation versus more of the casual living, right? Like there's different ways to approach people. And so for anyone that's listening to this, study the body language, study the, the commonalities that you have between other people and, and really talk about those things and, and bring them to the, to the spotlight. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the different states and, and that aspect of things, but you bring sports to a global perspective. That's a whole nother level and a whole nother experience. Right. And, and that's for another episode, but uh, you know, when, when, when you think back to your experience at the Lakers, right. And you, and you put yourself back in those shoes at 22, you're out of school. Um, and for those who are listening, who are in that same spot, look, it's tough times for everybody across the board. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things going on in society, but what is the biggest lesson that you learned at 22 that you've carried on but has changed? And then you wish you would have known that back at 22. Okay. All right. Let me tell you a story for this one. This is great. You're going to love this. Listeners, get ready for a good one here. I'm in an elevator working for the Lakers. My job was to pick all the contestants for like the halftime contest, the half court shot, things like that. So I'm in the elevator and Jerry West walks in the elevator. Now, if you don't know who Jerry West is, he's the guy the NBA logo was made after. He's a Lakers icon, Hall of Fame guy. I mean, he's, he's the real deal, right? And I'm over here with my Laker room. I've seen Jerry in my, in my room like forever, right? Jerry walks in the elevator, and, and the person working the elevator asks Jerry, what floor do you want to go to? Has no idea who Jerry is. Jerry says event level, right, because he's got courtside seats. I'm like, okay, all right, I see you, Jerry. And the person working the elevator says, well, do you have a credential? Jerry kind of looks at him and is like, no. And very polite, like, great guy. And, and the person with the elevator looks at him and he says, Jerry, well, and he says, excuse me, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to step off because pointing at me, I got to take this gentleman down to the event level. He's got work to do. And in my mind, I'm like, no freaking way is this guy telling Jerry West to do this, right? So Jerry starts to step off and I blurt out. I go, wait, wait, he's with me. He's my guest. I'll escort him down. Okay. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? Jerry's going to be pissed. The next 14 seconds were absolutely glorious. We go down, the doors open, and Jerry and I are about to depart. I'm freaking out. I'm like, is he gonna be pissed at me? Like, am I gonna get fired for like trying to stand up for Jerry West? Or is he gonna fire the elevator person? I don't know what's going on. He sticks out his hand. We're about to go our separate ways. Shakes my hand, says, thank you. I appreciate what you just did for me. That is what I learned. And what it was specifically I realized is that it doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter what you've accomplished. doesn't matter how much money you are. doesn't matter how intelligent you are. The only thing that matters is that we all have the same human desires to be loved, to be heard, to be valued, to be complimented, to feel that we belong. And in that moment, Jerry West, the NBA logo, made me, a 22-year-old corporate partnerships assistant, feel like the most important person in the world. And that lesson of being able to understand that we have that much power with our words, with our actions, and what we do with other people can make that big of a difference, that's what I took away from that. And that's what's led me to live this life. And I wish, it's not that I didn't know this, but that 
experience brought it to the forefront of me and I think about it all of the time. And so I'd recommend that if you're at any age really, but if you're 22 right now, understand that your words have power, that you have power and that you can do a lot of the things that you're holding back from. There's always a way to get to the next level. You just have to find the right door. As my good friend Ronnie says, all gas, no break. So, you know, I love it. I love it. I love the story and, and true. No, it's, it's, it, look, that, that's probably happened to someone who's listening right now, right? It's the same concept and uh, really enjoy that perspective uh, on your side. Look, as we wrap up the episode, I got three quick rapid fires for you. Biggest misconception of Southern California living there. Not all people are rude. Oh wow, that's see, that's like an East Coast thing. People think LA, Southern California, we we aren't we don't got the good juice. We got some good mojo over here. All right, what's the best beach? Newport. Okay, second best. Manhattan. Oh, I thought you were gonna go Laguna. All right, and third, best food place in Southern California. Taco Bell. No, I'm just kidding. I do, I, I do love my Taco Bell, but um, the best, the best place. Ah, uh, this is a great question. Um, I'll say I'll go sushi, and it's this place called Nagao Sushi. So fresh, so good. Hole in the wall. Been there. My parents went there. My grandparents went there. Unbelievable place. Can't beat sushi from the water. That's for sure. <laughs> Jake, appreciate uh, appreciate your time and uh, this was the Jake and Jake episode. Uh, looking forward to another one in the near future and uh, appreciate the time, the perspective, and the thoughts. Man, appreciate you, Jake. <laughs>